This is a podcast from the Business Times. Starting the week, Singapore stocks opened in the green. The Straits Times Index rose 0.3% at the open and closed up 0.31% to settle at 3,312.92 points. On Tuesday, Singapore stocks dipped at the open and ended in the red. The SDI slid 0.3% to close at 3,309.56 points. Most key indices in the Asia-Pacific also closed in the red after China released its economic data despite better-than-expected economic output data. At the midweek, Singapore stocks rose following an upbeat session on the European market. The SDI was up 0.1% at the open and bucked the downtrend in most Asian bourses. The SDI rose 0.4% to close at 3,324.05 points. And on Thursday, Singapore stocks were down as investment sentiment was dampened by expectations for further rate hikes from key central banks. The SDI closed 0.3% lower at 3,313.41 points. It's Friday, April 21st. Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. I'm podcast editor Clarissa Montero. Singapore stocks fell in the morning after global markets closed lower overnight. The SDI fell 0.2% to 3,307.75 points at the open. Here's Candice Lee, market analyst at SGX Securities, wrapping the week. In a week to date to this morning, the SDI declined 0.3% in line with the broader FTSE APEC index, even as China reported stronger-than-expected GDP report. Eyes will be on the upcoming May Fed meeting. Several Fed officials spoke last night ahead of the FOMC blackout period starting this Saturday. Most pointed to the still high inflation and signaled to support for another rate hike while highlighting the need to watch recent bank stress. Looking back in the Singapore market, outperformance for the week for companies with a market cap of at least $500 million were Capital Corp, Food Empire and Delphi, averaging 5% in price returns. On the other hand, underperformers for the week were Nanofilm Technologies International, NIO and Riverstone Holdings, averaging 7.5% declines. In terms of institutional fund flows in Singapore across the last five sessions through to 19th April, we observed net institutional fund inflows of $104 million. By sector, the highest net inflows were seen across financial services at $62 million, followed by telcos at $34 million and REITs at $12 million. On the other hand, utilities saw the highest net outflows of $13 million, followed by consumer non-cyclicals at $9 million and technology at $1.4 million. Largest inflows were seen in DBS, Singtel and Capital Corp combined at $90 million, while the largest outflows were recorded in UOB, Capital Infrastructure Trust and SETS combined at $33 million. For more passive investors, over the week, Lion Philip S. Reed ETF booked net inflows of $14 million, while the Nikko AM SDI ETF booked net inflows of $7 million. Newsroom senior correspondent Tay Gek joins us with her take for the week. Pet Gek, what were the big drivers this week? This week's focus was on China, which started Monday with not changing the one-year medium-term lending facility rate. The decision fueled optimism among market watchers that the first quarter economic output of the world's second-largest economy won't be too bad. The markets in Asia took the hint and closed with gains on Monday. Indeed, China's economy improved at a pace better than consensus when it announced on Tuesday that its gross domestic product rose by 4.5% for the first quarter of the year. That was the first quarter after the country dropped a three-year zero-COVID policy in December. 
The Chinese economic recovery has been uneven, analysts discovered upon close scrutiny, as it was boosted by revenge consumption, while the fixed asset investment and industrial production data had fallen short of expectations. While it is a quiet week for the U.S. economic calendar, several Federal Reserve officials who spoke this week expressed support for higher rates and possibly more rate hikes, and that narrative has tempered investor risk on sentiment. The market is pricing in an over 80% chance of a 25 basis point interest rate hike in May. The U.S. Federal Reserve's latest report on economic conditions, the Beige Book, published on Wednesday, show that lending volumes and loan demand generally declined across consumer and business loan types. But overall economic activity was little changed in recent weeks. As corporate earnings reporting season gets underway with mixed results this week, Wall Street has been range-bound. Nasdaq Composite has dropped 0.5%, Dow Jones Industrial Average down 0.3%, and the S&P 500 0.2% lower compared to a week ago. Singapore shares had a choppy week, alternating between ups and downs after first posting gains on Monday. The city reported smaller-than-expected decline in non-oil domestic exports. The Straits Times Index was up 10.75 points or 0.3% week-on-week as at Thursday close. Still to come, company-focused news and what's to note in the Singapore market with Candice. A monthly podcast inspired by the Business Times column, Off the Record, joined the BT Podcasts lineup in April. Conversations in which editors from the newsrooms of SPH Media discuss the modern news industry from their insider's perspective. Hi, I'm Howie Lim, correspondent at the Business Times. In the next episode of Editors Talk, I'll be getting insights into the strategy and thought process that took BT Podcasts from experiment to business unit at the Business Times. Are there more transformational changes to come? What is the potential of podcasts in today's digital world? And where does AI fit into the future of BT Podcasts? Information that doesn't just affect me directly, but might give you answers in your business sector's digital transformation journey. BT's podcast editor Clarissa Montero joins us next. Out May 8th. Check in for the latest in editor's talk from the Business Times. And now, back to market focus from the Business Times. Candice, some key economic data came through for Singapore this week. Talk us through it. Yep, certainly, Clarissa. Um, A key data point for the Singapore market this week was the non-oil domestic exports, which contracted for the sixth straight month in March, marking a 8.3% decline year-on-year. This was, however, much better than Bloomberg's medium forecast of 19.4% decline and eased from February's 15.8% year-on-year decline. On a seasonally adjusted monthly basis, Nordex jumped 18.4%, reversing February's 8.2% decrease. The value of key exports expanded to $15.7 billion in March, up from $13.3 billion the month before, though still lower than the $17.2 billion in the year-ago period. The Singapore Parliament is set to debate on allowing for annual general meetings and shareholder meetings to be held virtually beyond COVID-19. Virtual AGMs and shareholder meetings were first introduced under the COVID-19 Temporary Measures Act in April 2020 as a temporary measure during the pandemic and were set to be revoked from 1st July onwards. Proposed changes to the company's business trusts and other bodies' bill will provide for the use of virtual meeting technology to such meetings beyond 1st of July and also proposes to enable the Monetary Authority of Singapore 
to regulate the use of virtual meeting technology for such meetings. SJX Retco, ahead of the 1st July expiry, has allowed for the conduct of hybrid general meetings, shareholder rights, meeting notices and disseminating documents, votings and minutes for listed companies, unless prohibited by relevant laws and regulations in the jurisdiction of their incorporation, listed companies must now hold their general meetings at a physical space in Singapore. They may also use virtual meeting technology to allow shareholders to participate remotely. In the housing space, data showed that sales of new private residential units excluding executive condominiums continued to rise in March, marking the third consecutive month of increase. Urban Redevelopment Authority data showed that developers sold 492 units excluding ECs, up 13.6% from the previous month. Though property analysts expect to see sales supported by several upcoming launches in 2023, some believe that price-sensitive mass market buyers may turn cautious with inflation still prevailing, interest rates high and the economic environment uncertain. On the other hand, luxury home buyers who are less dependent on debt financing may continue to support prime demand. The Maritime and Port Authority of Singapore will expand its collaboration with oil and gas company Shell Eastern Trading to advance the adoption of electric harbour craft and the development of low and zero carbon fuels in Singapore. This comes as part of a five-year memorandum of understanding signed between MPA and Shell to accelerate maritime decarbonisation efforts here in Singapore. In 2017, MPA signed a MOU with Shell to cooperate in the research and development and test bedding of projects within the maritime industry in areas of clean fuel technologies, automation and digitalization. Candice, there's some company-focused news that might be of interest to investors in the week ahead, right? Could you tell us more? Yeah, sure, definitely. Let me start with um, UOB. So UOB announced that it will invest more than $500 million to build its new global technology and innovation centre in JTC's Pongo Digital District. In an effort to grow and contribute to the digital ecosystem, UOB will also be housing its innovation accelerator, the FinLab, at the new centre and also sign a memorandum of understanding with the Singapore Institute of Technology to set up a fintech innovation lab. Careful Pacific Oak US REIT, which kicked off the reporting season for REITs this quarter, reported a 2.7% year-on-year dip in net property income, leading to a 12.5% drop in adjusted income available for distribution. The REIT noted that this was mainly due to the divestment of Northridge Centre 1 and 2, as well as the Powers Ferry, as well as higher financing costs as a result of rising interest rates. However, it assured investors that it still maintains a strong balance sheet with significant liquidity. Its sister REIT, Keppel DC REIT, the strongest performing REIT in the STI this year, also announced first quarter business updates this week. KDC REIT reported a 6.3% year-on-year growth in net property income for the quarter, leading to a 4.1% increase in distributable income. It noted that this was mainly attributable to an increase in gross revenue from the acquisitions of data centres in Guangdong, completed asset enhancement initiatives, renewals and income escalations as well as tax savings. Capital Infrastructure Trust's private placement this week saw strong demand from new and existing institutional investors as well as accredited investors and was fully covered within the first hour of the book building process. The trustee manager announced that the placement was approximately 4.2 times subscribed, with placement issue price coming in at the highest end of the range. Accordingly, total gross proceeds to be raised has increased from the expected $125 million to $183 million. Apart from the private placement, another 250 million preferential units will be offered, bringing the total fund raised to approximately $299.6 million. 
Sabana Industrial REIT announced this week that its first quarter portfolio occupancy climbed to 92.6%, the highest since first quarter 2021. It also achieved a positive rental reversion of 13.6%, building on its track record for consecutive positive quarterly reversions. While its aggregate leverage ratio increased to 33.1%, up from 32.4% as of end December, it noted that 80% of borrowings are on fixed rates. The manager of the REIT noted that while outlook for the industrial property sector remains mixed, demand for its warehouse and logistics properties from third-party logistics service providers was strong, particularly during the first quarter of this year. Nanofilm reported a 40% decrease in first quarter revenue, citing that the first quarter is usually cyclical in line with production cycles, and it was further impacted by China's soft recovery since the reopening. In terms of business outlook, the group believes that the macro environment will remain challenging, although the second half of the financial year will look brighter. The firm also committed to advancing its growth strategy in four areas, being geographical diversification, building of new segments and product expansions, seeking opportunities for joint ventures and mergers and acquisitions, as well as research and development of products. NIO, in a meeting briefing, announced plans to intensify its European expansion as a price war in China squeezes its margins. It plans to unveil a model next quarter that caters to European demand for compact cars and launch a fresh brand of vehicles for the European market next year. New reiterated plans to double overall sales in 2023 to around 250,000 vehicles, as well as break even in core businesses in the fourth quarter. NIO delivered 31,000 vehicles in the three months this year, increasing by 20.5% year-on-year. It also noted that recent drops in lithium prices will help the company achieve a better gross margin from the second quarter. Next week, Singapore is among a few countries that will be releasing inflation data. Japan's central bank will be meeting for the first time under new governor Kazuo Ueda. China will release its Manufacturing and Non-Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index as well. This has been Market Focus from the Business Times. I'm Clarissa Montero with Candice Lee, Market Analyst at SGX Securities, and Tepe Gek from the Business Times News Desk. This is a podcast by the Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.